Hello and welcome to Metric Search Presents, the first ever MedTech Pulse podcast with me, James Barraclough. So throughout this series, I'll be speaking with people from across the medical industry, from company founders, CEOs, um, to engineers and, and physicians. So we'll be taking a deep dive into their backgrounds, talking all things medical tech, and hopefully have a bit of fun along the way. So I'm joined today by Martin Willemink. Martin is a physician, an epidemiologist, a biomedical engineer, scientist, and entrepreneur. He is the co-founder and CEO of SegMed, the fastest growing self-serve platform for diverse, high-quality, de-identified medical imaging data. Today, we're going to be talking to Martin about his background, his company, all about artificial intelligence and specifically within radiology. So Martin, thanks so much for, for joining us today uh, and welcome to the podcast. Thanks, James, for having me. It's really great to be here. The, fir- the very first, your very first podcast. So that's exciting. It is. It is. So kind of nervous, but also very <laughs> excited, uh, but really appreciate you, uh, you joining me. So um, me and you were actually supposed to meet at RSNA in Chicago back in November, although we didn't get the chance due to logistics of the conference, but you know what a place! My first first time there. Um, I know it definitely was not your first time, but it was a, a great experience for me. You know, as a recruiter, it was amazing to meet clients that I work with and candidates that I placed. Um, and, and and yeah, as we're doing today, a lot of a lot of meetings are done virtually, so it was great to to meet people uh, in person. So looking forward to meeting you there this year, um, and yeah, going back to to Chicago. But but yeah, let's let's get into it. So for the listeners who perhaps don't know, you know, can you tell me a little bit more about your background and and ultimately, you know, how you ended up getting into AI and and, and starting SegMed? Yes, definitely. Um, so I'm originally from the Netherlands. That's why I have this uh, Dutch accent. Um, that's why I went to medical school. I did a PhD and a master's in epidemiology. Uh, I worked for a couple of years at uh, a university medical center in Utrecht in the Netherlands. Um, and after that, I um, I went to the United States. Um, during my PhD, I actually spent some time in, uh, in New York City. So I got to taste a little bit of the United States uh, lifestyle. And I actually found out that the East Coast... Uh, I was there in the winter and it was really cold. And I thought, if I go back to the US, it has to be in the West Coast. Um, so after that, I uh, uh, I went to uh, to California. I spent five years at Stanford, first two years as a postdoc and then three years as an instructor. Um, and uh, while being there, I did a lot of research on um, together with my colleagues on uh, just R&D and cardiovascular imaging. Uh, and we did some AI projects. Um, and really the the problem that we were facing there was before we could start with doing the research, we actually needed to get data ready. And that was a big, big challenge. And uh, on average, it took us about 18 months per project. For one project, it actually took us three years to get the data ready. So I know, okay, this is a big problem. Um, and I knew it was not only a problem in uh, in academia, uh, I was also helping out for uh, with an AI startup in San Francisco. Um, and I saw just an industry everybody was facing the same issues as well. So we had to come up with a solution. And that's really uh, why I started SecMed and uh, uh, what we're trying to solve. Fantastic. Um, thanks for, for the overview. So in terms of the platforms that you have, I guess 
what exactly are your solutions? You know, what does does Segment Segment offer? You know, currently in in the market. Yeah. So uh, maybe I'll just continue the chronological story to get to your answer uh, to your question. Um, so to to solve the problem, uh, I attended a program at the Stanford Graduate School of Business, which is called Ignite. It was an amazing program, like a mini MBA for that takes about ten weeks. I really recommend uh, people to to attend it. By the way, but that's where I met my co-founders, who have amazing backgrounds working at big tech companies in the Silicon Valley. And we decided, okay, let's start this company. Let's let's solve this uh, this problem. Uh, we went through uh, some accelerator programs. We did Y Combinator, which is a really good accelerator program out of uh, Mountain View in California. And we also did Alchemist Accelerator, which is a B2B specific accelerator program in San Francisco. Really recommend that one as well. Um, in the meantime, we, we started the company. Um, we grew to more than 30 employees. Uh, we have gotten really large enterprise customers like Siemens, Bayer, and Microsoft. Um, so in order to get there, uh, we um, we are bridging the gap between the healthcare providers on one side and between the innovators on the other side. So these are people that need medical imaging data for R&D purposes or for, for AI specifically. So how we're doing that is we are plugging into the IT systems within the healthcare providers we are de-identifying the data. We're structuring the data. So for example, that when you uh, want to build a data set that you know, okay, this is the modality of the exam. So this is CT, MRI, ultrasound, and so on. But also so that you know which body part you're dealing with. And then we're also using ontologies so that you can actually find, well, let's say I want to, want to find exams for non-small cell lung carcinoma uh, so that you can actually find those kind of exams. So we do all that structuring of the data and then we've developed a UI UX friendly uh, self-serve platform. And this is where our customers, they can log in and they can build a cohort of de-identified and structured data uh, that they can use for AI development or for R&D in general. And the big uh, reason why a lot of these companies actually came to us, even before we had any salespeople, uh, was um, because you can get data in a matter of days rather than uh, 18 months, which is kind of like the industry standard. Um, so so our, our self-serve platform is really what we started working on. We have expanded from there. We have customers that uh, need really large-scale data, especially now with the generative AI uh, motion. So people need data for large language models, and actually you need exponentially more data for that than you need for a typical AI development or for typical R&D purposes. So we actually have an answer to that as well. We can help these customers by sending them a lot of data at scale. Uh, which is not an easy process uh, to do, but we developed the technology to actually make that work. And as a next step, something that we're doing a lot of R&D now, and I think we'll talk about that later, is our generative AI efforts ourselves. So we see a lot of opportunities to actually uh, use generative AI as a company to further improve our products and uh, make our customers happier. Fantastic. Um, yeah, that sounds uh, sounds amazing. And and I guess on that, like, what, what are the main challenges in radiology data and, and, and AI right now, would you say? So in radiology AI, and by the way, we're not only doing radiology AI as a company, but that's really the, the core of where we started because of the background of the founders and things like that. Uh, but we're actually um, doing uh, doing much more than just radiology AI. Uh, but anyway, if you look at radiology AI specific, uh, there are, I like to like divide the process in three steps. You have the data preparation step, um, that's really what we're focusing on SecMed. That's a very hard problem is to actually uh, get the data that's stored in silos within health systems. It's all secured and private. It's made for 
um, the systems, the IT systems that people are using is made for clinical work. Like if you mm -hmm. are a physician and you can put in a medical record number and then you find the exams for that specific patient. But these uh, IT systems are generally not developed to actually build a cohort of patients that have a specific disease, for example. Uh, but anyway, so the data preparation, being able to de-identify data, being able to transfer data from the health systems towards a cloud and do that in a safe and secure and private way is not very easy. Then the mid-step is, okay, once you have the data, then you need to develop your AI algorithm. So you need to train your algorithm, you need to validate it, you need to test it. Um, and there are many, many companies that are focusing on that area. That's the, you know, what most people think the sexy part, right? Like you develop an AI algorithm that can uh, di early diagnose lung cancer because you can detect lung uh, uh, lung nodules, for example, on a chest CT scan. So uh, that that piece, I mean, there's a lot of development there. There's, you know, like a lot of progress there. I think that piece is sort of covered because there are so many companies already working on that, and and it's it's really a, a, a exciting to see what's happening there. And then there's the part, once you have developed the AI algorithm, then it actually needs to be used in the clinical setting. Mm -hmm. And that's another area that I think is actually problematic is the AI deployment. And there are companies that are actually have, that are developing these AI deployment platforms. That are, so there are solutions coming to this to be able to, once the AI algorithm is developed, to actually apply it in the clinical setting so that the radiologists can actually use it. So I think when you look like overall, the first step, the data preparation step, is a big problem. And the last step, the AI deployment, is a big problem. At SecMap, we're really focusing on this first step, really making sure that data can be curated, that it can be made ready uh, to um, uh, to get it towards the innovators that need that data to, to develop AI algorithms or to do R&D on it. Um, and then if you look at specifically the first, that, that area, like what are what are the problems there? Well, I, I kind of mentioned it already, but the data is stored in silos, right? So it's it's very well protected. Um, to get that out is is not very straightforward. <laughs> uh, the second step is the de-identification. So there are many tools out there that can de-identify medical data, but most of those are focused on text-based information the identification of medical records. But if you want to be able to de-identify medical imaging data, you need to do the de-identification of the text. Think about radiology reports, for example. Mm -hmm. And then you need to de-identify the DICOM files. So the DICOM files, they consist of pixel-based information. That's your X-ray, CT, MRI. Um, so if there's any burned in PHI or protected health information in there, you need to get rid of that. Um, that's not very straightforward. And then also the DICOM files comes with metadata. So this is, for example, uh, the medical record number is in there, something that you want to get rid of because you need to de-identify it. But it also contains information like uh, this was the acquisition technology used or this was the reconstruction setting. And that's actually relevant often for uh, the development of your AI algorithm or for R&D in general. But then there are also pieces where a physician can just type in certain things and it can be PHI or it cannot be PHI. So it's kind of like semi-structured data. Um, so to de-identify the text-based information, the pixel-based information, and the metadata information, that is a really hard task, especially if you want to do that at scale. So that's you know those are the kind of technical problems that we have solved for de-identification. Another thing is the structure of the data. Like how do you know? In the medical data is very chaotic. Uh, when you actually go to an IT system and you ask, like, hey, give me all your CT scans, I can guarantee you you'll find some X-rays, you'll find some ultrasounds, MRIs. The, the, the classification is not perfect. Um, and then also, you know, like a body part, we've had so many times when we started with this company, we were like, okay, 
uh, let's collect all the x-rays of the chest, for example. And then you find x-rays of the skull, you found elbows, you find all kinds of things that are like classified as the chest, but they're actually not the chest. So structuring data is a big problem as well. And then the last problem is the actual cohort building. So being able to build a cohort of patients that you need for your specific R&D project or for your AI development. Let's say I develop an AI algorithm that detects lung nodules on a chest CT scan. I need to build that cohort of patients that have a CT scan of the chest and for example, I need to have 100 patients that have a normal exam, and then I need to have 100 patients that actually have lung nodules. That's not an easy problem to solve. You actually need, you know, like an environment to uh, to solve this this problem. So that's another thing that we, uh, we're tackling at SegMed. Yeah. And how, how's that going so far? Are you making good progress on, on that? Yeah, we're making good progress. I mean, that's that's how you can see that we're actually, you know, revenue generating. We have a, a lot of customers. A lot of people are using our platform. Um, so there's definitely room for improvement. We are constantly if, if, uh, improving our technology. We've been around now for four and a half years. So we started from day one uh, and we are uh, still uh, improving the technology. But it's definitely uh, much better than when we, when we started. It was uh, <laughs> It, it, it was very basic, but right now you can actually do a lot of things on our platform. So it's really exciting to see. Great. And, and from like a compliance data privacy perspective, those scans that come through and, and perhaps have got that data on it, um, how, how do you navigate that with the, the healthcare groups? Like how, how does that work from a compliance perspective? Yeah, so um, we, so we are not a, uh, diagnostic product so it's not that our product is used in the clinical setting so we mm -hmm. ourselves we don't need fda approval but actually a lot of companies that need fda approval use our platform uh, to be able to get the data uh, that they can show to the fda like hey our ai algorithm is working well in a representative representative u.s population and the fda has certain requirements they say for example okay the data needs to come from at least three geographic regions within the united states uh, let's say you develop a CT uh, AI algorithm, you need to have um, CT scans from uh, the four major, major vendors um, that needs to be equally distributed. You need to have a male-female distribution of this and that. And those are all kinds of things that you can put into our platform and then you can just build your cohort uh, for these kind of purposes. So um, when you think about, okay, the you know like compliance and those kind of things, that's really... Um, our platform is really made for those kind of things. Fantastic, um, great, and and I guess I know we we kind of spoken about this um, previously um, when we spoke on another call. But you know, what what is your your thought on on generative AI when it comes to synthetic images, and I guess where do you see its place in these these data sets? Yeah. Um, so I'm very excited about uh, uh, the opportunities. And the reason why uh, I'm very excited about it is that actually at SecMed, we have uh, uh, the privilege of having access to a very large amount of de-identified and structured imaging data. So we actually have um, an advantage that we can use that to develop our own algorithms. Uh, we're also a very tech-savvy company. We have very smart people in the team that actually know how to develop these kind of algorithms. So that's really, really nice to see. So uh, what there are certain things that we are focusing on right now that we're putting a lot of efforts and resources into R&D. Um, and the main thing when you, you, you ask synthetic data, when you think about synthetic data, right now um, the FDA will probably not approve um, if you, you would use synthetic data for 
um, you know, to show, hey, my algorithm works well in a U.S. representative population. But that doesn't mean that synthetic data can't be used for training of AI algorithms uh, at scale. So uh, think about, uh, you know, like, okay, I'm a segment customer. I'm just an AI developer and I have a certain data set. And I want to enrich that data set with specific parameters, uh, specific exams that maybe I don't have access to otherwise. Um, so what if I can generate synthetic images and I can just put in the parameters of what I want and then you get good quality images. So that's something that we really envision ourselves as being able to, on the Segment platform, being able to build data sets with real patient data, and de-identified of course, but then also uh, being able to add um, synthetic images to this to really enrich your data and make it more heterogeneous. Another thing is a lot of our customers are needing, they need large amounts of data for large language model uh, development. Um, these data needs will likely increase over the, over time in the future. So it will be very hard at some point to actually be able to provide the amount of data needed to train these kind of models. So what if you can just generate synthetic images like in really large formats, right? Like really, like a lot of them. Uh, then you can actually help training these kind of large language models. And, and that will be super helpful, I think, as well. And one other thing that, uh, and this is a little bit theoretical, but um, we, we've seen a lot of, you know, like hype around federated learning. So being able to, federated learning is um, instead of sending the data to, um, sending the data from the different hospitals to a centralized place where I uh, develop an AI algorithm, I send the model to the data and the data stays within the health system. So this is, of course, uh, sounds very nice in terms of security and privacy and those kind of things. Um, but there's still some issues. You need to compute. You need to have compute within each health system. Uh, you need to have uh, the labeling methods that need to be the same between these different things. So there are many different issues with this approach. Um, and what if we can just say, okay, we go to these different health systems and we copy the whole data set, uh, but we uh, we we use synthetic images instead of real images. So every single patient is not a real patient, but is a fake patient so that you don't have to worry about re-identification re of these patients. But the parameters are similar to the real population. So this way, and you can, you know, when you, once you have these synthetic images, you can do whatever you want, right? You can really uh, centralize those. You can, you, you can uh, build your model, validate your model, everything. Um, and it will really, it might solve the federated learning issue, actually, that you don't need to do federated learning anymore if you just have good synthetic images. So that's another uh, area that we are looking into. Okay, can we actually use synthetic images to, um, yeah, to, to improve the mobility of data and not having to need federated learning? Do you think there'll be any, uh, any challenges or, or roadblocks when it comes to synthetic images? Oh yeah, there are many. Uh, there's a reason why it's not widely implemented yet. Uh, there's different generations of the algorithms that's getting better. Um, what we are seeing now is um, we're running some experiments where we uh, let radiologists and experts uh, look at images and have them guess, is this a real image or a fake image? We can now maybe up to 50% of the fake images uh, radiologists think they're real. And you would say, well, maybe that's not super high, but actually it's relatively high if you look at the old, the older, older quality, uh, older methods of, uh, of of developing synthetic images. And that, of course, has to improve over time. Um, and then the biggest problem actually is most of these images are normal, but once you get pathology in the images, once you have a you know like a tumor or or, or a fracture or something like that, then it starts to look artificial. 
So that's something where a lot of R&D is needed to actually improve that. So I'm not saying that the synthetic images will be commercializable, how do you say that, Com made commercial uh, within the next few months. It's going to take it it's going to take time before that actually uh, is going to happen. But once it's once once we're there, once the quality is good enough, then it's going to get really exciting, I think. So do you see companies who are going through FDA approvals with their their algorithms, their their platforms? be able to use synthetic images how far away do you think that that is i think it's still pretty far and the problem with fda of course if you want to get an fda approval of your uh diagnostic ai algorithm uh they're right now they're not going to allow synthetic images they want to see real images obviously so I, that's that's why i mentioned in the beginning and that's i think important to note is in the short term at least the value is in the training Tra yeah. synth uh, synthetic data for training purposes and not for validation purposes. Yeah. Uh, just to make the quality of the AI algorithm better. And in the end, you have to still show in a real population uh, how your algorithm is performing. But you know, wh who knows? In the future, that might change as well if the quality really gets good. Uh, but I, I think we're pretty far away from that at this point. And, and just out of interest, what are the size of these data sets typically? Like, just to put into perspective to perhaps anyone who's listening who doesn't necessarily understand how much clinical data needs to be fed into these algorithms? Um, it differs. Uh, it differs. Uh, like a, a typical AI algorithms, it, it depends if you want to do training or if you want to do validation. For validation, you need smaller data sets. This can be in the hundreds. Uh, for training, you need thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, if not millions, depending on the type of model that wow. you're building. Um, so yeah, these can get really large. Uh, at SecMed, we have now a network. We have more than 100 million uh, studies within our network that we can give access to, uh, where, where customers can get access to. So uh, we actually are ready and we're constantly expanding that further. So that's, of course, very important uh, to have diversity of data. So the data is not just coming from a few academic centers, but actually data is coming from more than 40 states in the US and uh, more than 15 countries right now and really expanding further. And that's great because our customers love to have diversity and heterogeneity of data. Uh, one of the big things at SecMed is we want to tackle bias in AI and bias in R&D. And we know we're never going to get rid of it. That's not, you know, we're not saying that's going to happen. But actually, if you're able to provide more diverse data, then you can at least decrease the, uh, the bias that's going to happen in, uh, in your R&D and AI development. Great. Um, cool. And, and, and I guess... Something that I've had a conversation about, I've seen online, is I guess it's a, a constant elephant in the room when it comes to AI and, and I guess people's thoughts on its on its potential. But what's your thought on it, you know, replacing jobs eventually? And yeah, what's your take on it, I guess, in the radiology space or the broader broader medical space? Yeah, I uh, I, I don't think radiologists have to be worried about that. No, um... <laughs> there's not enough of them. No, exactly. I, I mean, I think AI is just, uh, it's adding a lot of value. It's improving the efficiency and it's improving the accuracy of the models, but you still need the radiologist. Like there's so much work. I do think that uh, AI can, for example, help with prioritizing exams or, you know, like at some point, maybe you could say, okay, AI will just look at decide whether an exam is normal or not and then the radiologist doesn't have to look at the normal ones anymore and only look at the ones that are abnormal uh, because ai is much better at determining uh, whether something is normal or abnormal but not so good at determining okay what exactly is the case here um so i i think there will still be a lot of value for radiologists and and i mean i only did half a residency in radiology and i never finished it uh, but 
there are uh, I think for radiologists, the uh, their lives is only going to get more fun because they're going to only have they don't have to look at that many normal exams anymore, and actually more at the exciting, uh, not normal exams. So, uh, yeah, I think radiologists don't have to be worried about this, and and just make sure that you 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 use the AI algorithms and, uh, and yeah, and, and leverage that. Amazing. Thank you very much, um, Cole, and, and I, I guess. In terms of, of segment, obviously, um, you know, it sounds like an exciting time coming up for you. I, I guess, you know, where do you see yourselves in the next like three to, to five years? Uh, in the next three or five years, we'll be much bigger. <laughs> we'll be uh, the number one uh, company in the world that providing the infrastructure for medical imaging data. Um, yeah, I mean, this is uh, the radiology, AI, and, and in general, the medical imaging uh, market is uh, is increasing rapidly. Um, and we are part of this expansion. We are at the forefront of a lot of the developments here. Um, and that's re really where we want to be. Um, we know that there's the need for data is only increasing over time with these large language models. And who knows what else is going to come after that. Uh, so the need for de-identified data to train those kind of algorithms is is only going to increase. Um, so yeah, and, and and I'm actually really excited about this because I think you know all of this will really lead in the end to better diagnostics, so better being able to 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 diagnose diseases better, uh, improved early detection of diseases, uh, improve the efficiency of the uh, the workflows that are used, and in the end, hopefully, also lower healthcare costs, especially in the United States where things are extremely expensive yeah you're telling me um cool well martin it's been uh been an absolute pleasure to to have you i really appreciate you taking the time and uh yeah as that team gets bigger hopefully me and you will uh will collaborate in uh in some form in the future but um yeah thank you very much for for coming on um you know it's the first ever medtech pulse podcast and uh it definitely won't be the last but um yeah looking forward to seeing you in in chicago in uh in november and uh, i really appreciate the time Perfect. It was very nice uh, to do it. Thanks for having me and uh, looking forward to seeing you uh, in, uh, in Chicago indeed. My pleasure. Thanks, Martin.